Thank you, Lord. If you've seen them yawning, just give them a little pat on the back and say, it's okay, we still love you. Just give them a little dig in the ribs if you see them falling asleep or yawning. Fantastic, that's working. Brilliant. Good morning. Good morning. Who's feeling awake? Who's feeling excited to be alive? Fantastic. It's good to be alive. Every day is a gift from God. Every day uh, is the day that God has made and we should... It's like rejoice, rejoice, rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. What a privilege it is to know God, to know that He loves us and He cares about us, that we can come together and worship Him, remind ourselves that we have life because of Him, that we have eternal life because of Him. And I just want to encourage you again this morning, if you miss a Sunday or you're away for whatever reason and, and you're traveling or whatever, I want to encourage you to jump on your, your phone, your whatever you carry, if you do technology, and, and listen to the podcast and be reminded, even as you travel, of God's love for you. Um, if you don't know how to use a podcast, then we should have a little podcast lesson, shouldn't we? There's a few people going, yeah, yeah, podcast lessons. Oh, there we go. Charlie, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really simple. If you go on the newsletter and you type in that website in your computer or your phone, it'll go straight to the podcast. Or if you're on Facebook and you see the, the church Facebook links saying, here's the podcast. If you click on it, all you have to then do is press play and you hear it. It's like, whoa. <laughs> it's amazing. The other, the other thing you can do is we still have these things that are round and you put them inside a compact disc player called CDs, and we still burn them. We, we still, as in we create them. We don't just destroy them. We still make CDs. And if you know someone who's away and you know they love a copy or um, if you can't be here and you don't know that whole technology podcast thing, then there's CDs available there for you, isn't there, Justin? Fantastic. And you can write that on your care card and, and pass it to them and they'll remember then, and that's great. Anyway... That's just a little bonus encouragement this morning. We've been talking about the God who cares for us. This is week four of our series, looking at the God who cares for us. And last Sunday we talked about grief and trauma and how God understands what we go through. He can help us through what we go through. And He also wants to use us to help others as they go through grief and trauma. We talked about how does God desire that we respond to those in grief and pain? And we use a little acronym that was like, please, but not please. It was PLEEP. And you remember the words, don't you? Because it's a weird acronym. The first one was PRAY. And then it was LISTEN. Then it was, I am so encouraged. And it was ACKNOWLEDGE. And you look at your notes, that's fantastic. Write down notes. And then it was... Point them to Jesus. And I, I, I put that up again this morning because I want you to remember that. I want you to think about that. When you find someone who's in pain or is grieving, think, pleep, pray, listen, engage, acknowledge, 
and point them to Jesus. You know, we've got two ears and one mouth. I was going to say this last week, but I didn't. Maybe it's for today. We've got two ears and one mouth. And I reckon whatever amount of time we listen for, we get half as many, the amount of time to speak. If you listen to someone for 10 minutes, I think it gives you the, the privilege to speak for five, maybe. I don't know. We've got to be careful. We don't give people double what they just allowed us to hear. Um, God, give us grace and wisdom. But This morning, we're going to... Oh, and there was one other thing. This is really important, so I thought we'd put it up again too. We are not the answer, but we know the one who is. I think so many of you said to me after last week, Andrew, that is so true, and I've got to remember that. I think if we can remember that one thing, that we know Jesus, He is the answer. We are not, but He is. If we can remember that, we will have a load lifted off our shoulders. We will not get into pride. We will not get into guilt or shame. But we will know that Jesus is the answer and be excited about being available to tell people when we have opportunity. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Help me today, Lord. This morning, it's almost like part two of last week, to be honest. But I want to talk about how do we deal with hurt, criticism, and pain? How do we ourselves deal with those things when they happen in our life? People say things and it cuts us to the core. People do things and it hurts us. We, we have situations in our life. Circumstances happen. Things happen. Life is hard at times. Life is devastating at times. And how do we deal with it? How do we respond when we suffer those situations in our life, whether it's something we've done, whether it's something someone else has done, or whether it's just what life throws at us, how do we deal with it? Where do we go with those things? I want to say again, God cares for us. God cares for us. He loves us, and He wants to help us. Last Sunday, I was chatting with someone after the message, and they, they were talking about how something that had happened in their life and they just really felt God put on their heart, James chapter 1. And I straight away had a little smirk and thought, mm, there's a challenge, isn't it? And I want to read it to you this morning. James chapter 1, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when, you, when troubles of any kind come your way, run! Not. That's not what it says. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And everyone said, yeah, because troubles are so enjoyable, aren't they? <laughs> Not. That's such a challenge right there. Other translate, translations say rejoice when you face troubles of every kind. And I think it's not because, wonderful, something terrible's happened. Rejoice. No, but we know the God who's going to help you get through this. He is able to deliver you. You're going to have a story of His faithfulness. You're going to have a testimony as you come through this. And rejoice. Let there be joy because you know that God is good and He cares for you. So that was just the first part. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Let it grow. Let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed... You will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Yes, it was Rosen, sorry. I just have a daughter who loves that music and it, whenever I see Let It, I just let it go. We 
are being refined by our Creator. He is building us like that painting I talked about last week. He is not finished with us yet. And He wants to continually shape us for His glory. Let it be an opportunity for joy and say, Lord, I do not know how to face this, but I praise you that you're good and you're going to come up with something. Let it be an opportunity for joy because he's growing us, he's shaping us, and he's going to use that situation for his glory, even if we do not understand how it is. Verse 12, he says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. In other words, life is hard. Life is challenging. But eternity is so much greater and we have a crown of life awaiting us if our trust is in Jesus Christ. For those who love him, they have an eternity with him to look forward to. And we can look forward to that day. We can be excited about that day when we meet our maker and can live in that place of eternal joy and peace where there is no more tears or sorrow or crying as we read last week. But there is pain in this life. And sometimes it's what people say, that people's words are powerful. I want to read James 3, verse 2 to 10. It says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Sometimes the pain is of our own doing. For For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves In every other way, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. I think if that was written today, it might say, you can steer a car or a truck with a little steering wheel. We don't steer horses very often these days. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set the great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. As I was preparing this week, I just had this picture of, of our, our words being like a keel in a boat. And I was going to look it up to make sure my understanding of a keel is right. And there's a couple of people here I know that have sailed at some point in their life, so you can tell me if I'm wrong, but... But a keel stops the boat from getting tipped over in the wind. A keel keeps the boat going straight and not getting washed across the, the, the path of the boat. Like it doesn't just get pushed across with the wind. The keel keeps it running true. And I think we've got to be careful what words we speak. And they, it's like, a, a, if you think of it as an, a, an anchor, if you're not trying to get somewhere, it, it holds us to what is true. We've got to speak words of life, speak words that are true, despite the storms that are happening around us. As we, as we speak truth over each other, as we speak truth in our life, it keeps us on course despite what's trying to push us astray. No matter what's happening in the world around us, we keep sp- speaking words of truth. We hold to the truth of God's Word and it keeps us going forwards and it stops us from being tipped over. It stops us from being blown off path. Our words are powerful for our own life and those around us. Verse 7 Sorry, a bit before. Is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body? It can set your whole life on fire. And we have pictures of fire that are destructive. We have pictures of fire that are amazing and brilliant. And I think it can go either way. 
but then it is the fire of hell itself, which says in the next part. <laughs> People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. We cannot do it, but God is able. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Let's let God change our words, change the way we speak to one another, to speak words of life and grace and truth in the season that God would call us to speak them. And I, I, I say those things, and as I was preparing, I, I just had such an overwhelming sense that I do not have any idea of the pain that people in this room have gone through. I, I want to acknowledge that I do not understand that all the things that you've been through. I do not try and presume that I can understand it or know about or, or grasp the, the, the weight of the things that some of the people in this room have gone through in your life. Just this week I was talking with one of our kids about uh, Reverend Jacob over in Kenya, who's living in a Sudanese, is a Sudanese refugee living in a refugee camp. And as I was talking to one of our kids, and they sort of said, they said how long has he been there? And I said, about 20 years. And we talked about the way that they're living and the, the things that they have and they don't have. And then they said, well, why, why are they refugees? And we talked about war. And, and they said, well, why is there war? And I'm thinking, there's some big issues here we're talking about. And the pain and the suffering that happen in people's lives that we just cannot grasp. Help us never to presume what people are going through. But you know, God knows the pain that we go through. Life is hard at times and God knows the pain that we go through. God understands the pain that we go through. Jesus came to die on the cross for our sin and he came to... to, to provide a way of escape from sin and decay and destruction. Life is hard at times, but God knows your pain. And Jesus came to set us free from our sin. He wants to help us through those things. He is able, no matter what situation we are in or have been through, God is able He knows your pain and he's able. Listen to these verses in Luke 22. This is right before Jesus' crucifixion. It says in Luke 22, verse 42, he said, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays, Father, this is the third time he's gone off to pray by himself. He says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Jesus was in agony of spirit. He was so grieved in that moment. It says, At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Grief is exhausting. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. But even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached, led by Judas. 
one of the 12 disciples. Jesus knew the pain of betrayal. And it goes on, it says, Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment. Who knew the disciples carried swords? It's like, hang on, we brought the swords. It's like, Jesus, you know, we've all always got our swords ready. I read that and thought, hang on. I hadn't pictured the disciples walking around with swords all the time. It's like, finally, Jesus, can we fight? It's like these guys have been trying to call down fire from heaven for a while now. They're like, Jesus, is this the moment? Can we fight? And one of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. He's not waiting for any answer from Jesus. He's like, this is the moment. We're going to fight. Judas betrayed you, Jesus. We're going to fight. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus spoke to the leading priest, the captain of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him. Am I some dangerous revolutionary, he asked. Now, he may have said that in a very relaxed, calm, passive voice. I don't know. Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? I just wonder maybe if he was a little bit frustrated even. Maybe Jesus has passion Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come at me that come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day, but this is your moment. The time when the power of darkness reigns. Jesus knows what pain is. And you go on to read the whippings, the beatings, the mockings, the scourge of his body and his crucifixion upon the cross. Jesus knows what pain is, physical pain, emotional pain, betrayal and suffering. God understands what pain is. And then Jesus, a little bit earlier, we read what Jesus says to the disciples before all this happens. He says, I've told you these things that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, guys, there's going to be some pain ahead. There's going to be a lot of pain ahead. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be crucified on a cross. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, you're going to have pain, but it's not the end. There's an answer to the problem. There's a way through this pain. There's a way to have hope. There's a way to have peace. I have come that you might have peace. I believe Jesus would want to say that to you today, that I have come that you might have peace. There might be storms, there might be turmoil, but Jesus has come that you might have peace. In Romans 8 we read, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, no matter what you might be going through, it doesn't mean he loves you any less. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. 
It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't mean God has turned away from you. It doesn't mean God loves you any less. He simply wants you to look to Him and find peace and trust that He has the answer through your storm. It doesn't necessarily take the pain away straight away. But as we've talked about, Jesus is the one who loves us. God is the one who loves us. He he goes after that lost sheep. Even if it's strayed a hundred times before, He goes after that lost sheep and He wants to carry you home. We looked at the prodigal son, that God, the father, runs to his son. He welcomes him home, even though he should have said, you're dead to me. He welcomes him home and he throws a party and says, you are my son. And God wants to welcome you home. He wants to carry you. He wants to help you because we have a God who loves us and cares for us. And then we read these words in Luke 23. Jesus says, while he's being crucified, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. If we have an example to follow, it is Jesus. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. As he's being killed by them, he says, Father, forgive them. It doesn't change the situation. It doesn't take the pain away physically. But he says, Father, forgive them. And God calls us to do likewise. Sometimes it might mean laying down our life. It might mean laying down our, our feeling of what we deserve to say, God, I forgive this person. I forgive this person. Even though they might be, you might feel like they've, they've crushed your life. Even as they crushed Jesus' life, He wants us to forgive, to forgive and not hold on to it. Unforgiveness is like poison. Unforgiveness is like poison. It's like someone hurts you, so you decide to drink poison to get back at them. It does nothing to help get back at someone unforgiveness it cripples us it it hurts us it it causes us to live with with that thing ruling over our lives and we cannot live in unforgiveness god has called us to forgive that we might find life in him that he is the answer and that we can be free from that thing that's happened in our life god has called us to forgive let's read what jesus says in matthew 18 He says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. You know, those two or three witnesses, maybe maybe you are one of those two or three witnesses. Those two or three witnesses aren't going to back you up. They're going to keep you in line. (laughs) They're there to, to, to say, hey, let's, let's speak with grace here. Let's speak words of truth and life. Let's talk to build each other up here. It's not to gain people that are going to back us up and, and help us win the argument. It's to, to work together to see restoration come. And if you're one of those people that's called to come with someone, I encourage you to pray. Pray, say, God, work through this situation. Let there be life and restoration through this. 
says, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt corrupt tax collector. And how do we treat corrupt, corrupt tax collectors or pagans? We love them. We love them. We show God's love to them. We, we be generous to them. We be kind to them. We try and show them the love of God so that they might respond to who He is. We share the gospel with them. We remind them of God's love and what Jesus has done for them because we love them, don't we? Amen. God help us too if we struggle. But you know, the truth is, if, if a person lives in unrepentant sin, that they will not acknowledge their sin or repent of their sin, there does come a point that as a church, we are told to cast that person out of the church, just to, to remove them from the church so that they might come to repentance, understand that their sin is a serious thing before God. But we still are called to love that person and believe for restoration and to pray for that person. Because God is able through everything to restore. That's His heart. He cares for us and He never gives up on us. We may not be able to change the situations we go through. A person who hurts us may never change. But God is calling us to ask Him to shift our focus and to worship. To worship instead of hold a grudge. You know, that word worship comes from an old English word, worthship, to give worth to something. As we worship God, we, we ascribe worth to our God and Savior. As, as we worship, we, we give worth to that thing we worship. And I've got to ask, if, if we're holding on to some grudge, if we allow something in our life to, to consume us with, with, with anger, with, with whatever it might be, what are we giving worth to? What are, we, what are we giving worth to if we hold on to that thing instead of turning to God and saying, God, help me to forgive. Help me, help me to worship you and not put worth on that thing. It's, almost, it's like we begin to, 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 to center our lives around this hurt. It becomes almost an object of worship in our life saying, I shouldn't have been treated that way. But instead, God calls us to worship him and as we worship him it changes us it it does something good to us as we lift our eyes as we lift our hearts and as we worship him as we give worth to him that thing becomes smaller in our life let's be people who turn to worship god every single day that we worship him as we go about our day that we ascribe greatness to our god and our king he is worthy of our worship. I saw a movie a while back called Railway Man, and it's not an easy uh, Railway Man. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's not an easy watch. I don't recommend it if you're not ready for a hard watch. It's about this guy who goes off to war and ends up as a prisoner of war. I can't remember what battle is exactly, but he he ends up working on. I think it's the Thai Burmese Railway. I think. Yeah, um, and he's working on this railway as a prisoner of war, and uh, he decides to to get these parts and make a radio to try and cheer up the troops, basically, so they can listen to some music, so they can have some comfort in life. But the 
their captors find this radio, and sorry, I'm going to destroy, the, I'm going to ruin the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it. <laughs> he makes this radio, but they, they find it, and they think, you've made a radio to talk to our enemy. You're a spy. You're giving away our secrets. And they torture him. Physically, they torture him. They, they, they beat him. They treat him terribly. And this man is, is, is just crippled by the, the torture. But then finally the war is over and they're, they're set free. He goes home. And then, I forget all the details, but years later, one of the guys that was there in that prisoner of war camp with him finds out that this guy who had tortured them was now running tours through the railway and telling people about what happened. And as soon as he heard that, he decided he was going back. He was going to find this guy and he was going to kill him. He was going to pay him back for what he'd done to him. And hearing the things that had happened in his life, you can understand the pain he was in. But it, it's, it's crippled his life. And he goes back and finally he gets his moment. He, he shows some anger. But in the moment when he's a th- about to take his life, he thinks, no, this just isn't right. I can't do it. This is another human being and how can I treat him even though he treated me like this, how can I treat him the same way? And he stops, he leaves, he goes home. And then, I don't know how long it was afterwards, again, he gets the chance to meet with this guy and that they meet in a little more civil way and he finally looks across the table and he looks at this guy, he looks him in the eye and he says, I forgive you for what you did to me. And as I saw that moment, I thought, wow. What a moment. This guy has been physically tortured by this man. But to finally say, I forgive you, you could just see the freedom in his heart that he suddenly realized the, the, the power to say, I forgive you. And you could see it just released him from the power that that had over his life. He said, I forgive you. And the man just begins to weep. And he's just so sorry. He's so sorry. And people we may be hurt by may never be so sorry. But when we forgive people, it releases us to live the life that God has called us to live. It may not be right. It may not be. It, it, it's totally wrong maybe what they did. But for us, for them, for, for us to live the life that God has called us to, we must forgive to have the life that God has called us to. I remembered another story I heard about a, a nurse who was in a, uh, I can't remember whether it was World War I, World War II, some war somewhere where there was a lot of casualties. There was so, so many casualties. And there's, there's hundreds of, of soldiers coming in every day with terrible, terrible wounds. And they're just overwhelmed by the amount of people, the, the, the suffering, the people are coming in. And finally, the, one of the doctors or someone comes up with this, this system. He says, right, when they come in, we're going to have these doctors. They're going to assess them. And as they come in, they're gonna, we're going to use these, these color cards. And if they're, if they're in a, a bad way, but hey, if we get to them later today, they're, they're going to be okay. We're going to give them a green card. We're going to put a green card on. They, they need help, but they can wait. 
And then we're going to have these yellow cards. And we, if, if someone is in a, a serious condition, they need serious help immediately, we're going to put this yellow card on them. But if they are in a place where we just cannot give the time it takes to help this person, we're going to put a red card on them. We're going to give them some morphine and we're just going to get, let them go as peacefully as we can. And as it and, and the war goes on, the people are coming in and they're assessed and they put the green cards on those that are, those that are going to live but they need some help. Those that are sort of in a critical condition but they need serious help straight away, they put the yellow card on. And then those that are just in too serious a condition, they, they put the red card on and they, they give them as much dignity as they can and they just let them go peacefully. And one day this, this nurse, she's, she's treating all these people as they come in and she finishes working with one patient. She turns around to the, this next patient and as she turns around, the man grabs her arm and pulls her down and says, please, 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 you've got to change my tag. Please change my tag. He's seen what's going on. He's seen these green, these yellow, these red tags and he's seen he has a red tag. And he goes, I've got to live. I've got to get home. I've got a family. I've got kids. I've got to get home. Please change my tag. And the woman, she, she looks around and she thinks, I've got to do it. And she, she quickly changes the tags. She puts the yellow tag on instead of the red tag. And she calls the doctors and they come and they work on him. And, and he lives. The man's saved. And she's just like, oh, thank you. And the man lives. And it goes on. You know, God will never write us off. The world might write us off. The world might say, you're too far gone. The world might say, you're useless. The world might say whatever they want to say about you. So maybe someone's spoken some word over your life that says you're useless, you're, you're, you're slow, you're, you're too thick, you're whatever it might be. That thing doesn't have to have power over your life. God will never speak a word over your life like that. God wants to bring hope and life and freedom from those things. God wants to set you free from those tags people have put on your life. You know, the story doesn't end there. It says, uh, after the, the man lives and a couple of days later, they, finally things calm down. And all the doctors and the nurses, they're called in for a, a, a briefing or something. And, and they're, as they're all coming in, they're sitting down and, and they're waiting to start. There's a general up the front and he's just pacing backwards and forwards. He's just waiting for, for quiet. He's just pacing backwards and forwards. And finally, it goes quiet and he says, I want to know who changed the tag. Who broke the protocol? Who changed the tag who was it who changed the tag and this woman's sitting there thinking oh no I've, I've broken the rules like this is the army we we follow the rules and she's feeling so guilty but finally she stands up and she says it was me and the general looks at her and he just comes running to her feet she he just drops down at her feet and says that was my son that would have died my son's life was saved because of you. And as I hear that story, I hear the heart of our Father God who sees people in our world that have been put labels on. They are told they are useless. They have been told they have no hope. They have been told they're, they're, they're sinners. They're, they're, 
they're, they're, they're thieves, they're, they're addicts, they're, they've got no hope, they're, they're not going anywhere. And they've been labelled with these labels and they think no one loves them, no one cares and there is no point to their life. But God, the loving Father, sees his son, his daughter, his child and he wants them to know that there is hope in Jesus that there is a way for, that there is someone who loves them, there is someone who wants to renew their life and give them eternal life. Because He is the Father who loves us and He wants us to be some tag changers, to give some people that have got red tags, some yellow tags. They may need help, but He wants us to come around them and be a tag changer. Will you be a tag changer? You might have pain in your own life, but you can be one who speaks words of life and truth over other people's lives, that they know that there is hope, that there is a way out. Someone shared with me just something yesterday about a lady who was going to commit suicide and then just someone just insistently asked, you've got to come to church, you've got to come to church. And then the people at church said, you know what, I've got a word for you. And it says, God loves you. He loves you. He sees the tears you cry when you go to sleep every night and he loves you. And this woman was saved. And you can be a part of what God would do in someone's life simply by speaking words of life and truth about God's love to that person. It's about how we treat them. It's about how we speak to them. That they might listen to what we say in those moments. Maybe this morning you need healing. Maybe you have hurts and pains in your own life and you need God to do some surgery in your own life. You've had things happen. You've had people do things to you. And God wants to do some surgery in your heart. He doesn't want that thing to have pain and rule over your life any longer. I believe that. I don't believe God wants anyone to go from this place with a, a thing in their life that they have such pain that they cannot live the life He's planned for them. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe this morning you need to forgive that you've had things happen to you. People have done things to you and it is horrible, it is terrible, but you need to forgive them. You need to release that thing and say, God, I don't hold that thing against them any longer. He wants to set you free, to take that poison out of your life so that you can live Maybe this morning you need to repent and say, God, I am sorry for holding on to this for so long. God, I'm sorry for my pride, for not coming to you, for not trusting you, for not doing as you've commanded me to do. Maybe this morning you need to repent. Maybe this morning you need, to, you need God to shift your focus. You know, we can't shift our focus, but as we look to God, He is able. Maybe that's you this morning. This morning, I just want to say, church, will we answer his call to to worship him, to lift our eyes to him day by day by day, to worship him and to be a tag changer, to tell people that there is hope, there is a way forward, there is life, there is eternal life for those who would put their trust in Jesus Christ. He has done it all for them. He understands our pain and He is able to lead us forward. Can we stand? Ask the band to come. I just want to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, even as I I speak this morning, I am so aware, Lord, that 
There are so many people in this room that would have so many things that have happened in their life that I have no awareness of, Lord God. Lord, pains that they maybe have never confessed to anyone, Lord God. I just pray this morning, Lord God, by your grace, by your mercy, that, Lord, you would enable them to forgive those who have hurt them, Lord, to release those things that they have hold on, held on to, Lord, maybe for years and years and years. Maybe it's just been this week. God, I pray that you would help us to be people who are so quick to forgive, to turn to you, Lord, to look at your love, your mercy, your grace, and that, Lord, we would give that mercy and grace to those around us. Help us, Lord, to come quickly to those who offend us and, and to seek restoration to be able to, 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 to settle things and be on good terms with one another, Lord God. God, help us to, to confess those things that we know we need to repent of. But Lord, I want to pray especially this morning for anyone who, who they know that they need God's help. That you know you need God's help. There is things that have just consumed your life and you want to be free from those things. God knows what it is. I don't know what those things are for you, but God knows the pains, those things that have held you captive, held you prisoners to those things. And I don't want you to come forward right now. I just, I just want you to say, that's me in your heart. That's me, God. And God, I pray right now for those people. I pray that as we talk about Jesus and what you did for us upon the cross, as we talk about your love and your mercy and grace, that, Lord, you would help each one of these people right now to cry out to you, to say, God, forgive me, help me. I don't understand it, but lead me forward, God. I give my life to you. Jesus, I trust that, that you love me and that you have a plan and a purpose and a hope for my life. And I surrender to you, God, right now. God wants to lead us forward. He wants us to repent, to turn away from those things and turn to Him. And know that He is going to lead us home. He is going to lead us home into eternal life with Him. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And like that ship going through the storm, that no matter what storms come, no matter what winds come, He's going to keep you going true as you hold to His Word. He's going to keep you heading towards that destination, that crown of life and eternal life as you trust Him, as you turn to Him day by day, as you read His Word, as you are led by His Holy Spirit. He will lead you home and give you life. God, I thank you for those ones this morning that even now are putting their trust in you, maybe for the first time. Lord God, I just pray that as we leave this place today, that you would have a, help us to have a heart of a tag changer, to see the, the, the tags that are on people's life and say, you know, that's not true. That's not true about you. God loves you and so do I. That's not true. You know, God loves you. He created you and you, you are the, just the way He made you to be. You don't think you're good at anything, but God has made you just the way He wants you to be and He just wants you to live for His glory. God, give us a heart to speak your life, your truth, your word over one another and the people of this world. Because, Lord Jesus, we know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father. There is no other hope than in Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we surrender to you right now, God. We ask you to use us 
empower us by your Holy Spirit. Fill us to overflowing with a sense of your love for this lost and hurting world, I pray in Jesus' name. God, we thank you that you are the God who cares for us.